Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a complicated passage and make it more complicated. Now that's all I'm going to sing. Um, we're talking about the book of Jude today on the podcast, and that's what I felt like during my preparation for this past Sunday's sermon. Hang with us for a few minutes, and we'll follow up on our Sunday message like we always do uh, and dig a little deeper into the passage that was just preached. My name is David Miller, and I'm the pastor of membership here at McGregor Baptist Church, and this is Beyond the Notes. Oh my goodness, to say that Jude is a complex book is an understatement in my view. The tone of the letter is just so intense, and the content is what I would call tough sledding. Um, and and I, even though I was only given five verses to preach in 30 minutes, um, I didn't cover everything, and I actually preached closer to 40 minutes. So I've already gotten razzed about that around here, and that's fine. But there's a section that I do want to revisit today, and that's what Beyond the Notes is all about, and that's what we do each week. And, and so in verse 11, Jude issues this strong caution uh, when he says, woe to them, and he's talking to those who were apostate in the first century church at that time, those false teachers in the church even though they themselves had never been born again. They were not Christians. They were pretenders. Um, and he says to them, again, verse 11 of Jude, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Now, even though earlier in the passage Jude had shared some characteristics of apostate people, like they defile the flesh and they reject authority, back up in verse 8, here in verse 11, he correlates these, they're like three historical precedents from Israel's history um, in the Old Testament, and he connects them to those who are apostate in the church in his time. And I just briefly, this past Lord's Day, shared a little bit about why Jude mentions Israel each of these, uh, but I wanted to look at them in more depth today. So hopefully this will be a blessing to you if you were there on Sunday and you are now listening today. So let's take them one at a time. Again, in verse 11, they walked in the way of Cain. Now, we know interestingly enough from Genesis chapter 4 that Cain killed his brother Abel. And while that murder was certainly a sin, it was only the external fruit of a big problem that was way deeper that Cain had. See, Cain ultimately didn't like God's way of salvation. And God had already made it clear that by the time, uh, by that, excuse me, God had already made it clear by that time that the way of forgiveness would only be possible through the shedding of blood. God did that with Cain's parents, Adam and Eve, when, when he sacrificed uh, an animal to cover their nakedness. If you know the story, you know that that's true. And we get that in Genesis 3.21 that uh, some animals had to die in order for garments of skin. That's how Genesis 3.21 explains it. For garments of skin to cover Adam and Eve. So, I mean, right off the bat, in the wake of the first sin, the shedding of blood becomes a a requirement for the remediation of that particular sin 
and its consequences. It's just one of several things in Genesis chapter 3 that God establishes early on in the Bible and his word to point to Jesus Christ, which is what the whole Bible is all about. Uh, so as we move to Genesis 4 and we see the story of Cain and Abel and them preparing their sacrifices, we, 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 we see what that results in and we see the account of Cain killing Abel. Um, again, the context of that is what is an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Abel brought an animal, but Cain brought the work of his hands, you could say, uh, the, the, the fruits of his labor, if you will. He did what his parents had done when they attempted to cover their own nakedness in the wake of their sin with sewed fig leaves. That was the first attempt in the Bible that's recorded of works righteousness that they tried to cover their own sin, but it wasn't acceptable to God. And so several years later, surprise, surprise, Cain follows in their footsteps. And even though he knew when he was preparing his sacrifice, even though he already knew that the only acceptable sacrifice to God was through the shedding of blood and the death of an animal, Cain brought his first fruits of his labor. He, too, worked really, really hard to try to remedy the problem of sin in his own life. Theologian Warren Wiersbe says that the way of Cain is the way of religion. The way of Cain is the way of pride. And I would have to agree with him. Friends, Cain didn't want the mercy of God on God's terms. Cain attempted to get, get it on his own terms. He did it his way, not God's way. And in the same manner, the reason Jude is using that as an example is because these false teachers in Jude's time were doing it their way too. It was a bald face rebellion. So that was one example. And then verse 11 goes on that says he, he describes them or correlates to them that they abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. Now, in Deuteronomy 23, we see that Balaam was an Old Testament prophet who was blessed by God with a particular gift and role among God's people. But just like these false teachers, he'd do anything for money. And even though on the outside, Balaam seemed like a servant of God, material gain was actually his God. The false teachers uh, Jude is, is writing about would also do anything for money as well. And the false teachers in our day uh, are just the same in terms of doing or saying anything for money as well. And I, I shared a little bit about the net worth of each some, some false teachers uh, that are currently on the scene today and very popular. And that's true. And that's Balaam's error. The, the whoring of the gifts that God has given you for financial gain and thinking that you can get away with it. Again, another example of bald-faced rebellion, just like the false teachers then and those who love money. And the reason this is a problem is because they preach an entirely different gospel in order to line their pockets. Um, and they want to get what they want. So... They truly believe they're getting away with it even today. And I know some people might say, well, the people that listen to prosperity preachers today, they're victims, right? They're, they're being exploited. They're being taken advantage of. And I, and I would say no. Um, maybe to a certain extent they are. But those who willfully sit under the teaching of a false prophet or a false teacher, 
they're not victims. They are, they are enjoying the message that they're hearing, and they're being drawn to that message of the prosperity gospel for a reason, and that reason is their sinful hearts love the message of the prosperity gospel. Paul Washer wrote this, and by the way, Paul's going to be with us here at McGregor at the Founders Conference in January. But Washer says this, he says, false teachers are God's judgment on people who don't want God, but in the name of religion, plan on getting everything their carnal hearts desire. That's why a Joel Osteen is raised up. Those people who sit under him are not victims of him. He is the judgment of God upon them because they want exactly what he wants, and it's not God. And all I would add to that is an amen, Brother Paul, and I can't wait to meet you when you get here. So we've got two uh, historical precedents that, that Jude is using to connect to the false teachers in his day. And then he uses one more historical reference, and that is the end of verse 11, that they perished in Korah's rebellion. And this is found in Numbers uh, 16, obviously, in the Old Testament. What Korah did is Korah spoke against the leadership of Moses uh, with two other leaders, Dathan and Abraham, and they led a group of about 250 men against Moses. Uh, this, was, this was rebellion on a different level. This was a form of a coup. And they actually dared God to do something about it. Again, there's such a level of defiance here that's unbelievable, and Jude connects that to the false teachers in his day, and of course in our day too, that, that, that they assume that they're untouchable as well. Well, it didn't work out for Korah, and friends, it won't work out for anyone who's apostate either. I would really encourage you, if you have some time, to go back and study these three passages that I just mentioned, Genesis 4, Deuteronomy 34, and Numbers 16. Because when you do that, friends, you're employing the practice of letting Scripture interpret Scripture, and that won't ever lead you wrong in your own study of God's Word. Well, that wraps it up for our Beyond the Notes podcast this week. Thanks so much for being with us and listening so faithfully. We're grateful. If you're new, though, we'd love to have you subscribe to our podcast and feel free to give us a review. That's always helpful to us. We'd love your feedback. And if this podcast has been a blessing to you, share it with somebody today. And last but not least, if you want to be ready for next Sunday's sermon, we will begin in Jude 14, verse 14, and cover all the way through verse 16. So by all means, feel free to read ahead and God bless.